Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. It's the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 2 Thessalonians. Today is episode 378. We're looking at 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 5 through 10. Let's read our passage. It is clear evidence of God's righteous judgment that you will be counted worthy of God's kingdom, for which you also are suffering, since it is just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted along with us. This will take place at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with his powerful angels. When he takes vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God and on those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the Lord's presence and from his glorious strength. On that day when he comes to be glorified by his saints and be marveled at by those who have believed, because our testimony among you was believed. This is Paul's second letter to the church at Thessalonica. He is in Corinth during the 18-month period on his second missionary journey. He was on the second missionary journey that they founded the church in Thessalonica. They had to leave after not very long time in Thessalonica because of persecution. But Paul sent Timothy back. Now Timothy has come. Uh, rejoined Paul, and Paul sent First Thessalonians to the church. And now sometime later, he sent a follow-up message because there's still problems. They're still dealing with persecution. It's not easy to be a follower of Christ in Thessalonica. Now, we mentioned that verses 3 through 10 are a single sentence in the original Greek. It's a long, complex sentence that in order to understand has to be broken up. So the translators have, have done their best to break it up into segments. But keep in mind, each of these segments all together are a single sentence. And last time we looked at verses 3 and 4, where Paul was giving them praise for their perseverance in the face of persecution. So that's beginning the thought process of this long sentence is that they're holding up. They're persevering even in spite of persecution. And now it continues in verse 5. It is clear evidence of God's righteous judgment. What is clear evidence? Well, he talked about boasting about their perseverance, but I think it's not the boasting that's the clear evidence. It's the fact of the persecution and their perseverance. So this is the clear evidence that they are standing up for God, even when it's hard. That's clear evidence of God's righteous judgment, that you will be counted worthy of God's kingdom, for which you also are suffering. As our suffering is present tense, it's, a, it's an ongoing persecution. It's not something that has happened in the past. It's continuing. It's ongoing. And the you will be counted worthy. Don't take that as a reward for persecution or reward for perseverance. It's you will be counted worthy is the righteous judgment of God. So it's not that they've earned anything from God, but to understand that they, they will be counted worthy of God's kingdom. And that's part of God's righteous judgment. We're not saved by persevering through persecution. We're saved by the mercy of God through faith in Jesus Christ by the blood of Christ on the cross. And because of that faith, we do endure persecution and we do persevere. 
And the righteous judgment of God is based upon that faith, not based upon our behavior. He goes on, verse 6 says, Since it is just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to give relief to you who are afflicted along with us. This is looking ahead to God's going to set things right. People of Thessalonica are suffering. They're being persecuted. And it seems like the persecutors are getting away with it. And he's given an instruction because he's talking about the return of the Lord. Now, remember, I told you earlier that part of the problem, one of the reasons for 2 Thessalonians, we don't actually see it until chapter 2, but there's people who are saying the Lord has already returned. And Paul's giving them instruction about the return of the Lord. No, no, the Lord has not returned. But when he does, then these persecutors who are persecuting you will be judged and God will repay with affliction those who afflict you. And it will give relief to you who are afflicted along with us. They're looking ahead to the day of the return of the Lord. And when that happens, then you will receive rest from this affliction that you're enduring. And those who are giving you the affliction, they themselves will be afflicted. So it's all part of the Lord's return that he's looking ahead to. And continues second half of verse 7. This will take place at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with his powerful angels. So this is when it's going to happen, at this revelation of the Lord Jesus. Now, revelation is an unusual way to describe this because usually it talks about the coming of the Lord or the presence of the Lord. So revelation just simply means that revealing that which was hidden. Well, up to this point, the, in their view, the Lord is hidden. And so when he comes, he will be revealed. So it will be a revelation. So we normally think of revelation as something you know, but it's also something you see. And so it's just a a different way to describe this, the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven, that is the, the revealing of Christ from heaven with his powerful angels. Now, most English translators prefer to translate it this way. The problem is that power here is actually a noun. Form. And whether powers modifying angels or the Lord, you could come up with a variety of uh, translations here that it's uh, the Lord's angels in his power or powerful angels or powerful Lord with his angels. Regardless, it, you, you get the same idea that the Lord's returning in power and returning with angels. You often see angels associated with the second coming, those who are doing the will of the Lord in the power of the Lord. So this revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven, powerful angels, verse 8, and this is what happens. When he takes vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God and those who don't obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. This is strong language. Normally when we talk about the coming of the Lord, it's we look at it a more positive aspect of it's, we who experience the coming of the Lord, reunion with the Lord, oneness with the Lord, relationship with the Lord. Here he's focusing on the, initially, on the wicked. And in the context that they're in, that makes sense. They're being persecuted. They're having to endure. Paul's praising them for their perseverance 
in spite of persecution. And so I say, when the Lord does come, as the people say the Lord has come, he has not. But when he does, look out, persecutors, because he is going to take vengeance, not just vengeance, but vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God and those who don't obey the gospel. He's not talking to two groups of people here. You've got one group of people who don't know God and another group of people who don't obey God. No, this is just a dual parallel language here. It's, these are the, the wicked. They don't know God and they don't obey God. And God is going to take vengeance on them. Vengeance with flaming fire. Powerful language. Continues verse 9. They will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the Lord's presence and from his glorious strength. This is eternal destruction. Sometimes we hear God's discipline is a more of a corrective action. He disciplines those he loves. This is not discipline. This is punishment. This is judgment. And it is eternal. And the same word eternal here is the same words used in eternal life. So this is eternal destruction, not a corrective punishment. An interesting uh, twist here. The eternal destruction from the Lord's presence and from his strength. So it's saying those who reject the Lord are then rejected by the Lord. So it's flaming fire of vengeance, but it's also rejection by God, rejected from his presence. So that's what happens to the wicked. But then in verse 10, on that day when he comes to be glorified by his saints, and to be marveled at by those who have believed. So you have the, the judgment of the wicked, the judgment of the persecutors. But here, now he speaks to the faithful, those who are the believers. He comes to be glorified by his saints. Remember, verses 3 through 10 are one big, complicated sentence. And he uses a lot of words that aren't used elsewhere. Well, one of them is glorified. This is a compound word that is only used here and in verse 12 of 2 Thessalonians 1. The only place in, in the Bible you, you see this compound word. And it means glorified, but it's a, a modified word for, for glorified. And glorified by his saints. Now, saints is literally the holy ones. And as we read through the New Testament, who are the holy ones? Those who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believers, Christians, are the holy ones, declared holy by God through the blood of Christ. And I think the language here, glorified by his saints, is really using the language of Psalm 89, verse 7. Now, if you look up Psalm 89, verse 7 in, in your Bible, it probably says a little bit differently. Like in the Christian Standard Version, it says, God is greatly feared in the council of the holy ones, more awe-inspiring than all who surround him. Well, if you look in the Septuagint, Septuagint is the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. It says, God is glorified in the council of the saints, great and terrible toward all who are around him. It's the same kind of language here. The second coming of Jesus, the Lord will be glorified by his saints. So I think he's using that kind of language, that the Lord's return will be judgment. 
The wicked, those who have rejected God, will be rejected by God. They will be punished with everlasting destruction by flaming fire. But those who are faithful, those who are believers, they will glorify the Lord. And he will be marveled at by those who are the believers. And he finishes up with, because our testimony among you was believed. Now here's bringing it back to them. Because they believed the gospel. They are in the second group. They are the ones who will experience the glory of the Lord, will marvel at the Lord, while the persecutors will be afflicted themselves. And that's all when the Lord returns, which hasn't happened yet. So he begins this discussion of the day of the Lord. He talks about it's a day of revelation, where the Lord Jesus is revealed to all. It's a, a day of judgment, eternal destruction for those who, who don't know God, don't obey God. And it's a, a day of glory where Christ will be glorified by the saints. So here you have the judgment and rejection. Those who don't know God will be without God. But those who do know God will be with God. So all this is speaking to their condition. They're being persecuted, but they're persevering. Paul has praised them for their perseverance. He's also showing some hope for the future. And what's going to happen here is the Lord's going to return. And he's going to step in. He's going to fix things. Those who are fighting against God are going to suffer because of it. Those who are followers of Christ, they will rejoice when the Lord returns. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 2 Thessalonians.